This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey everybody what's going on welcome to another edition of the auburn undercover podcast i am keith Niebuhr with auburn undercover and 24 7 sports and we're joined by jason caldwell of inside the auburn tigers and we got a lot to talk about. It's not going to be a, a long show, but uh, one that's going to be packed with information is Auburn uh, later today will play host to Tennessee. Auburn four and two, Tennessee two and four. And we're going to take some close, uh, take a closer look at some of the matchups and what this game potentially could mean for these two teams. Uh, and then also uh, a quick look at Auburn recruiting the week that just finished, which had a high and a low for the Tigers. Uh, and uh, a lot to talk about there. But, Jason, first off, let's just start off. Is Tennessee at 2-4 and four as bad as its record? You know, because you looked at our predict- predictions, and we all kind of have this game sort of close. So either we're not fully comfortable with Auburn coming off this couple-week layover, or maybe we think Tennessee isn't quite a 2-4 and four team. What's your take there? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both when you look at it. I think the uncertainty of, of seeing what Auburn is after – 21 days off is is one of the, the big factors of this game. And the other thing is, Keith, especially us, we know recruiting, they've, they've gotten some quality players in recruiting the last few years. Just a lot of those on the offensive line. Uh, they haven't come together yet. They haven't stepped up and, and you know, pushed people around like they have and, you know, and, and people expected them to. But 
I think when you look at it, that's the question mark we had, you know, especially early in the season was, you know, Auburn gave up some rushing yards at times. Can Tennessee establish a run and be that team? I think, you know, those are the questions. But, yeah, there's some talent on this Tennessee team that just hasn't lived up to expectations so far. Uh, you know, what's wrong with Tennessee? And that's the, a big question. And two and four, and you look at, their, you look at who they've played, and they, they've played some good teams. They've already played Alabama and Georgia. So, yeah, that's understandable to lose those games. But there also are some really disturbing losses. And, and, but, again, let's start at the beginning of the season. 31-27 win over South Carolina, back and forth game. I mean, obviously, Auburn lost to South Carolina. But South Carolina's not very good. Uh, second week, a pretty comfortable win over Missouri, a good solid win. Missouri's not terrible. Then at Georgia game, which I believe Tennessee led at the half and ended up, or led or tied at the half and ended up losing by 23 points. The next week, complete disaster, 34-7 to loss to Kentucky. And in fact, in that game, it was never really close. A couple pick sixes thrown by Tennessee quarterback Garantano. Then you've got a 31-point loss to Alabama. And then their most recent game a couple weeks ago, 24-13 a loss to Arkansas a game, which Tennessee led at the half 13 to nothing before giving up 24 points in the third quarter. Jason, bottom line, this has not been a second half team against Kentucky. They fell apart early, but against all these other teams, seems like they played okay in the first half and then just kind of crumbled down the stretch. What does that say about a team? Yeah, I think you look at it and, and it, 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 Talks about a you know a lack of finishing, uh, a lack of um, you know, killer instinct for one, but it looks like this Tennessee team hasn't been the same since really late in the first half of that Georgia game. You know they got a a bad snap for a touchdown early on. They they kind of jumped out there, and then when Georgia put the foot down, I haven't seen the same Tennessee team since then. Um, and and so um, that was kind of I don't know if it, you, you say a wake up call for them. But what it did was it may be a, a reality check for them that, hey, we're not quite where we thought we were yet. And um, since that time, they haven't played with a swagger. And Can you get that in a couple of weeks off? Um, it's tough to find on the practice field. And it's tough to find when you're shuffling a bunch of quarterbacks in and out. I mean, that's the thing that you look at Tennessee now going, is it Garantano, who's, who played maybe his best career game two years ago at Auburn, um, but he didn't, he didn't have those big wide receivers outside like he had then. Well, we see Harrison Bailey. Well, we see Marr. I mean, they're rotating a lot of different guys at quarterback, and, and it's hard to find a rhythm and, and really that team coming together when, when you don't have your quarterback. You know, you look at their schedule, and they had a game against Texas A&M postponed, most likely a loss, uh, you would think. I mean, there are upsets, but on paper, you, you don't think they would have had much of a shot there. Uh, Auburn and Vanderbilt, they also play Florida, and then they're going to have to wrap it up with A&M uh, remaking that game that was postponed. But they don't have too many more chances for wins, you wouldn't think. I mean, if Tennessee loses to Auburn, you're looking at three and seven. If you lose to Vanderbilt, you're looking at, at two and eight. Vanderbilt's pretty awful. So you, you think they would win that game. However, it's at Vanderbilt. You just don't know. Uh, two and eight, I, I, boy, I tell you what. I mean, this is only Jeremy Pruitt's third year, but yikes. Regardless, uh, with a losing record, Tennessee's going to go into next year. That's staff, no question. No question going to be on the hot seat. But, Jason, let's look at some of these stats. Jarrett Garantano, 12th in the SEC in quarterback rating. He is completing 61% of his passes, but here's the issue. Only six touchdown passes, only three interceptions. Of course, two of them were pick six. Pick six is against Kentucky, but only six touchdown passes. That's just not a lot of offense from the passing game. Uh, a couple other things here. In six games, Tennessee Jason only has this is amazing, really high octane SEC. It's the Big 12 now, was what the SEC's become. 
In six games, Tennessee's averaging only 175 yards passing per game. Now, how bad is that? They're only ahead of one team in the SEC. That's Kentucky, Jason, which doesn't even try to pass, okay? So it, they've got to figure something out. And I don't know what the QB situation is going to be this week, but Brian Maurer has shown promise last year in, in some spots. Uh, is not cutting it right now. Harrison Bailey's just a true freshman, not what you'd call an extremely mobile quarterback. And then you've got Garantano, who's now a veteran, but just, you know, isn't really getting it done. And, you know, you don't want to put all the blame on the quarterback's shoulders, but, you know, ultimately uh, that is where a lot of it falls. I mean, the, the quarterback has to make things go, especially with the veteran offensive line. But uh, they're just a mess offensively, and I, I think people were sort of shocked. Now, Jason, meanwhile, uh, Auburn's defense starting to play better. Uh, now, again, that was – a win over LSU, which is, you know, was starting a true freshman quarterback. But, but Auburn's defense, which you and I both had some serious concerns about earlier in the season, has sort of come on. Now we're going to see how they come on after this stretch of, of being out. We don't know who's going to play, who's not going to play, are there COVID issues. Uh, but they have shown signs. And, Jason, has it not all started up front? It seems like it has. It seems like that's where the improved play has been for Auburn on defense. Absolutely. You know, getting, getting healthier on the defensive line was one of the first, the, the first things that, that stood out when you watched Auburn, especially against LSU. And now you've had three weeks to, to get even healthier for you know, guys like Big Cat Bryant, uh, you know, DeAndre Butler, Marquise Burks, Zykevis Walker, all guys that, that missed either parts or, or, or most of games to start the year. Having those guys to be able to rotate for Daquan Newkirk and Tyrone Truesdale, really important. And then you, know, you give Big Cat Bryant now and Derek Hall, who coming off his best career game against LSU, get, give those guys a chance to get a little breather. And we've seen what, you know, Kobe Wooden's been the most consistent player on that defensive line for Auburn. So um, having those guys to step up and, and be able to have that rotation has been really important. And, you know, obviously, like I said, don't really know who. I don't believe there's going to be any significant guys uh, unless something changes the day of the game today. But um, I think they're, they're going to have most of their guys out there, maybe a couple of reserves, which could impact depth down the line. But if you're Auburn, if you get off the field on third down, especially early in the game, that's been the key. That was the key in 2018 against Tennessee. That was the key early in this season um, when they had some struggles was, was the inability to get off the field on third downs. That'll be the down to watch against Tennessee. If they can get off the field, especially early, Put, put Tennessee in a little bit of a hole, some three and outs, then, uh, then you put the pressure on Tennessee then. You've got some quarterbacks in Knoxville that are sort of uncertain and playing like they're uncertain. They don't really know what's going on. They're just, they're just really struggling. I mean, Harrison Bailey came in late against Arkansas. I moved him down the field, but, you know, it's the best way to rattle a team that's having quarterback problems is to put pressure on the guys. Don't let them sit back there and make plays and – and, and it, you look, if it's midway through the second quarter and Auburn hasn't put any pressure on either one of those quarterbacks, I think that's going to be a bad sign. So we'll see what happens there. They, they've got to continue to do that, and they're starting to get some pass rush. Now, consequently, or if, uh, conversely, when you look at Auburn's offense, Jason, you see an offense that not only is, is evolving, uh, more playmakers getting involved, more variation, it's getting better. Uh, and you're seeing a lot of balance, good passing yards, good rushing yards. Auburn, after a really slow start now, with four straight 400-yard games, sixth in the SEC at 405 yards. I mean, obviously, they'd love to throw out the Georgia game. Kentucky, they moved the ball okay. There was just a ball control issue with Kentucky holding on forever, and that, that didn't allow Auburn to get over 400 yards. So, really, uh, pretty good offensive play uh, against LSU, obviously. More consistency. 
uh, more yards, all that stuff. Uh, Bo Nix finally over 60% passing, finally. I mean, geez, it seemed like he was never going to get over that. Nine touchdown passes, still not a lot, but better. Uh, four interceptions, three in one game. So in the other five games, he only has one interception. True freshman running back, Tank Bigsby, has been valuable running the ball. Jason, 503 yards uh, at six games, 5.6 yards per carry. Also catches the ball out of the backfield, also can return kickoffs. Well, as you saw, he had a 100-yard kickoff return in one game that was called back. Seth Williams doing what Seth Williams does. Looks like he's playing better and with more confidence than that loss to South Carolina, 511 receiving yards, multiple receivers getting involved, Jason. The tight end getting involved. I think the last game, J.J. Pegues, jumbo athlete tight end, had three catches. Now we're told that Brandon Frazier, the, the true freshman from Texas, 6'7", 265 to 270 uh, pounds. He's now ready. He's now going to play. We'll see if they get him involved. But it's a totally different offense than what we saw earlier in the season, Jason. It is. It is. And you mentioned, you know, Tank Bigsby in the running game and, and that offensive line that, that – has continued to come together. Uh, hearing good things about Keandre Jones in this three-week period that that he's, you know, now that he's got some experience under his belt, that he's taken some steps forward. And if he does that, he's a guy that can be a road grader for an offensive line that already has shown that it, it's pretty good at, at, at running the football. And when you look at, at Tennessee, you look at the last four games especially. Georgia, 193 yards rushing. Kentucky, 187 yards rushing. Alabama 170 yards rushing and 417 passing. And then Arkansas 198 yards rushing. So you look at the last four games, they've given up some sizable chunks in rushing yards. And if you look at Auburn, that's where this thing starts right now with Tank Bigsby. You now giving Sean Shivers a, a, a you know a couple more weeks to get even healthier after that ankle injury earlier in the year. DJ Williams will have a chance now to get healthier too. I would expect Auburn to come out and, and try to, to pick up where they left off, which is being physical in the run game and establishing that, play action passes, maybe taking some deep shots because Tennessee's secondary has had a couple of guys either opt out or, you know, Sean Schamberger is a guy that, that we remember in recruiting was was their top nickel and, and their top cover guy who's, who's no longer playing because of academic issues. Those are things that Auburn, I think, will try to exploit. Yeah, there's some real issues up there. I mean, you know, again, the talent seems to be there. Something's missing, though, and, and you're starting to see volunteer fans say, you know, what was Ronald Reagan's old line? Not to be political, I'm a, you know, whatever, but are you better off now than you were four years ago? And you start thinking if you're a Vols fan, are we better off now than we were three years ago? And I don't know. I mean, a lot of people say, yeah, a lot of people have been beating the drum that, that, that Jeremy Pruitt, just give him time, just give him a quarterback. Well, in year three, if you don't, you know, you should have a quarterback. I mean, you look, I mean, obviously Auburn's had some issues at quarterback, and some of Gus Malzahn's years too, and, and nobody took it lightly on him. So Tennessee's got to figure some, something out or it's going to be three and seven at best if they don't beat Auburn. So they've got some real issues. But Jason, fact or fiction, you know, does Jeremy Pruitt have Gus Malzahn's number? You know, a couple of years ago, Tennessee, a bad Tennessee team. Let's be honest, that was not a good team. Went into Auburn and won. Jared Stidham probably had his worst game maybe uh, as an Auburn Tiger. I know Auburn barely beat Mercer in his first season there, but uh, – you know, and then obviously he was defensive coordinator for Florida State when they beat Auburn in 2013, the 2013 National Championship game. Although Auburn scored over 30 points in that game. Most of the points were in the first half, but did score twice in the second half. So I don't know, but does Jeremy Pruitt, is that, is that fiction or is, that, is there some fact to that? Is, is he in Gus Malzahn's head, Jason? No, I don't think this is the same thing that you think about with, with you know, other guys, and specifically Kirby Smart. I, I think it's a very different field because Auburn has had success offensively against Jeremy Pruitt coach defenses. It's just been 
turnovers or you got outscored. Um, you know, that's been more of the issue with him. So, yeah, I think it's just been um, a couple of different factors in that because, yeah, I don't think that you would, would pin those on the offense. That's normally where you would put this thing, especially with, you know, with, like I said, with a guy like Kirby Smart's where you see it mostly. But, yeah, yeah I think this one's a little bit different. It's just been a couple of situations um, that have caused this one more than just a guy maybe having somebody's number. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, FSU scored with 13 seconds left in the national championship game, and Auburn scored. The last time Auburn had the ball for a full drive, they scored a touchdown. So I, I don't know if it's – again, I don't want to take anything away from – anything away from what Jeremy Pruitt has accomplished through the years. But, I mean, I don't know. I just think there's uh, – I, I, look, people point to that game a couple of years ago. That was a complete disaster for Auburn. But, Jason, a, another couple of things here. Um, you know, this is the 100th game for Gus Malzahn. I think he's – I've got his record here. Bear with me. Uh, 100th game for Gus Malzahn as Auburn head coach. He's 66-33. and 33, No losing records. No losing seasons. Um, two 10-win seasons. Probably should have had a third. Um, you know, he's won the SEC once. He's played in the SEC championship game twice. But there's obviously been some inconsistencies. Here's a, here's a, a look in the SEC record, 37 and 25. So, yeah, not great there. Uh, but overall, how would you judge his first 99 games at Auburn? It's, it's tough. It's, there's, there's peaks and valleys here. But uh, it's, an, it's an interesting record. How would you judge it? Yeah, you know, I think when you look at it, it to one way you have to judge it is, is – you know, by looking at, yeah, um, consistency. They've been consistent. They haven't been consistent at the top as much as maybe people would like. The other thing you have to factor in is is what coaches are up against. And I've been on record as saying this, and, and I'll, I'll stay on record saying it, that there's, there's never been an Auburn coach who's had to deal with a tougher schedule game in and game out than Gus Malzahn has had to deal with in his 100 games at Auburn. Uh, when you look at, at what Alabama's been, what Georgia's been, what LSU's been, have, I mean, Texas, you know, Texas A&M is, is, is a good team, but Ole Miss and Mississippi State, <clears throat> not as good this year. But over the course of his career, those two programs have probably been better than they've ever been at the same time. And then, you know, you play, play in Clemson, you played some other team. I think probably as in terms of schedule difficulty, He's probably had it as difficult as anybody in a long stretch, and uh, yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a grind. Um, they've done some good things, but obviously not at the top. Maybe finished as well as people would would have liked, and I know they would have liked. They've had opportunities to to kind of get over the top a couple of times, and and just didn't quite make it. You know, when you schedule these non-conference games out, you know, years out in advance, you never know what you're going to get. You know, when when Auburn scheduled Clemson for a few years ago. A lot of Auburn fans are like, oh, God, here we go again. Not, not a glamorous matchup. And, and they ended up winning the national title. Clemson did in one of those years and was, you know, top five both of those games. Washington and Oregon, weren't they both Pac-12 champions? I believe they might have been. So, uh, you know, you, if you're playing North Carolina or Louisville, or, well, they did play Louisville, but if you threw in a couple of extra games there, a couple of different opponents, excuse me, the record, overall record would be a little bit different. But, Jason, what bugs Auburn fans most about like, – about Gus Malzahn. I'm going to give you three options. Is it the, the buyout? Is it the – and by the way, not every Auburn fan's upset with Gus Malzahn. you got your Gus Malzahn detractors. you got his, you got his faithful fans as well. But what do you think bugs the detractors the most? The buyout, the losses to Georgia, or 
the losses to teams like South Carolina and Tennessee and then that bowl game against Minnesota, the inability to, to win bowl games. What, what is at the top of the list for, for the negative Nancys? And, and there's a lot of them. And, you know, they, they've got some facts on their side too. Yeah, kind of all of the above probably at some point. Uh, yeah. I would probably put the, the way the, the, the games have been against Georgia. Um, okay. Because for a lot of Auburn fans, a lot of old school Auburn fans, that's as big a rivalry as Alabama. For some of them, it's bigger because there's a lot of there's a lot of Auburn people that grew up in the state of Georgia that still live in the state of Georgia. For them, that's the one they hear about more. I, I think the way those games have gone, um, especially in Athens, this for a long time, you know, Auburn didn't lose in Athens. That's that's they went over there and won those games, and they haven't been competitive in Athens in quite a while. And so, to me, that's probably the one I would I would point to the most is man when those rivalry games come up and hey. Auburn, to, to his credit, they've done better than anybody has against Nick Saban in Alabama. Um, so they've stepped up in that game. It just hasn't shown as much against Georgia. All right, Jason, a few weeks ago, the chatter, there was starting to be some noise out there, some noise in the system, as the, the Zucker, Ron Zook used to say, that Gus Malzahn needed to win games. And they're at four and two, but, you know, look, you lose to Tennessee and you've got Alabama and A&M coming up. Those are two tough games. So this is an important game. You tell me, Jason, how important is this for – forget about the team. Forget about the season. How important is it for Gus Malzahn's future at Auburn, this one game against Tennessee? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, like I said, that's way above my pay grade. But I think, obviously, you don't need to hey, lose I, it. I've seen your pay stubs. This guy's rich. Don't let him fool you. Yeah, uh, yeah you know it. Uh, I, I, you don't need to lose this one, obviously. When, when you, you've yeah. already lost to a game to South Carolina and the way you played against Georgia, yeah. you've got the momentum going. It's a different year. I think everybody understands that. But it's also a year that, hey, you're playing football games, and, and you know, this is a team that I think people expect to, to be better. And yeah. so I think you need to go out and win this game, obviously, because if you do, it helps you continue to build momentum. You know, with Alabama coming up, Texas A&M coming up, you, you pull off one of those, and then all of a sudden this year has changed pretty dramatically yeah. in terms of, yeah. of the expectations from where it was when you were two and two a few weeks ago. Yeah, Jason, I had a college coach uh, hit me up on Twitter the other night and they were talking about Gus's situation. And they said, you know, every time somebody wants to count this guy out, that's when he wins. He's got more lives than a cat is what this, this person said. But uh, look, Jason, this is, uh, it's just interesting that the loss to South Carolina was just so shocking. And really that, uh, you know, South Carolina has now fired Will Muschamp and, and that has uh, the head coach, the former head coach. And that seemingly was something that people didn't think was going to happen a couple of weeks ago. So I think the thought, Jason, probably, I think you agree with this, is that if South Carolina will, will pay that enormous buyout to fire Will Muschamp, could other schools, does that open the door for other schools, even in this COVID year where teams are losing money? Could that open the door? But, uh, Jason, uh, good stuff, man, as always. Let's, let's go on to recruiting real quick before we head out. Uh, Auburn had a, an interesting week. Picked up a commitment from a tight end, Grant Calcaterra, formerly a four-star who played at Oklahoma. He's going to be a graduate transfer, uh, but then lost a big commitment. Um, four stars in the 24-7 sports rankings, three stars with the industry-generated 24-7 sports composite, and that's offensive tackle Caleb Johnson. Uh, let's start with Calcaterra first, though, uh, Jason. You know, it's interesting because Auburn now all of a sudden is becoming tight end you here, and uh, – you know, what does it say about the direction of where Auburn's headed offensively? And can Grant Calcaterra, who we think will have just one year remaining, how much of an asset can he be in the Auburn offense next season? I think when you look at what 
they want to do on offense with Chad Morris. You could see it in recruiting. You could see it when they when they stepped up and, and you know bringing these guys in that they would like to be. I think a multiple tight end team that can use those guys to stretch the field. And Grant Calcaterra can be one of those guys because he's not a six six two hundred and sixty pound tight end. He's more of a hybrid guy that you know comes out of that Oklahoma offense where they were catching the football. And I think you know when, when people ask me about the numbers of tight ends. First of all, you can't assume that all your guys are coming back at that position because, as we know, this thing is really going to probably change a whole lot in terms of January. But I think when you look at, at Auburn, you almost have to treat this like the NBA draft or the NFL draft going, look, best available player. The best available players you can get that you think are better or that can help your team, you better go get them and then let the chips fall where they may. And so I think when you look at it, this this thing's going to really change the grad the transfer market everything's going to be really, really different. And so I think you, you start going, hey, let's go find some good players no matter where they are and then, uh, and then find a place for them. You know, Auburn's trying to build a program. Obviously, everybody tries to build their program, uh, their program through recruiting, which is the draft for colleges, obviously. But I think the staff is looking at the pieces that could be back next year and saying, you know, let's spend some spots on transfers because – they may not be far off from being a championship type contender next year with some of the pieces coming back. But Grant Calcaterra, let's look at his stats. In 2017, he was an all Big 12 selection, uh, honorable mention all Big 12 selection as a freshman. Uh, the next year was first team all Big 12, 26 catches, almost 400 yards, six touchdowns, started 11 games. But he last played October 5th, 2019. He's uh, dealt with concussions. He retired basically from football. So that's something that, uh, you know, obviously he had to get the medical go ahead. He had to, get them go ahead from look do i do i feel like i can go through this anymore his family all that but everybody's on board auburn is ecstatic to get him we do know that and look i mean you're you're right jason there probably is going to be some attrition at auburn and very well maybe some at the tight end position so i expect he's going to be a significant contributor next year. i don't think he'd be picking auburn otherwise on the flip side of that auburn loses caleb johnson auburn down to two offensive line commits in this current class jason and uh one of them is Garner Langlow, three-star, who was a three-star guard tackle. I think probably more of a guard. Looks good physically. I saw him just last week. Uh, he was Caleb Johnson's teammate, or is Caleb Johnson's teammate at Ocala, Florida's Trinity Catholic School. And then Jaden Roberts, the four-star guard out of Texas. But, you know, Auburn's not a school that's had a ton of decommitments. I mean, I, we're seeing more of the last few years than, than ever before. But uh, Auburn at one point had four offensive linemen commitment, committed, now down to two. Uh, Jamarian Gooch was another tackle, big guy that was, uh, flipped to Tennessee. And now Caleb Johnson has flipped to Notre Dame. I think this is a significant loss, Jason. I mean, he wasn't going to start next year. He wasn't probably going to play for a couple of years. But nonetheless, this is a guy at the high upside. And again, once again, Auburn's offensive tackle recruiting. There's not a true tackle in this class. It is just incredible, Jason, what we've seen since 2013 with Auburn's lack of success recruiting the offensive tackle position. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. You're right, and, and, and with the, the possibility that you may be returning everybody on this offensive line for next year, it's not a, a loss in terms of helping for 2021 and maybe even 22. Great point. Where it is a loss is, is that from a perception standpoint, it just kind of backs that up once again. It's like, well, they can't recruit an offensive tackle. And, you know, it's an issue. There's no question. Him, him and Jamarian Gooch, when, when, this, when this was a four-man clash, you went, that's as good an offensive line class as Auburn's had in a long time. And now you look at, at the holes again and 
Keith is something that you know we mentioned with Grant Calcaterra. I think you look at Auburn now, and hey, it, it could potentially start this weekend. The the transfer market, the grad transfer market, is where I believe they're going to go and go. Look, can we help ourselves immediately? Because I do think you're right. I think they feel like if if the right guys return, and they I think right now they feel like those guys could that this team is not far away from from being a championship level team again. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 13 commitments now for Auburn. That's it, 13. That's 20th in the country in the 24-7 sports rankings, seventh best in the SEC. And, and you're right, Jason, I'm hearing the same thing. You are at one point we thought they might sign 22, 23 high school kids, high school junior college kids, and now it's looking like it's going to be significantly less than that, and they're going to use those, those picks, I guess we'll call them, picks, spots, slots, whatever, on some grad transfers or regular transfers and uh, guys that can help right away. And one such guy, we'll, we'll close with this, Jason, Eric Wilson, uh, an all-Ivy League performer at Harvard who is a legitimate NFL draft prospect. Eric Wilson, six feet four guard out of Minnesota. Uh, he's going to graduate from Harvard next spring with a couple of degrees. The guy's brilliant. He's visiting Auburn this weekend. Now, how can they do that? How can somebody visit? It's a recruiting dead period. They can go on their own, pay their own way, buy a ticket, not meet with the coaching staff, which is difficult, not tour the facilities, which is difficult. However, he's going to visit Auburn. He's already there, arrived, uh, we believe. He was scheduled to arrive Friday. We'll go home Sunday. He's visiting with his parents. This recruitment is real. It's significant. Auburn got in on him early. And we do think at this point in time, if things go well this weekend, Auburn will land him. And when you watch his film, even though it's Ivy League, look, LSU's starting center was from the Ivy Leagues. Uh, he's a guy that can play. We think he's a guy that can help out and possibly even start in year one. But we'll know more about his recruitment Sunday. Jason, that is it. Uh, Auburn, 6 o'clock kickoff, 6 p.m. Central time. Uh, Auburn versus Tennessee. Again, Auburn 4-2, and two, Tennessee 2-4. and four. Really a chance for Auburn to kind of put the nail in the coffin uh, for the Vols this year and, and almost assure that they're going to have a losing record. But also you, th- you got to think Gus Malzahn wants to kind of stick it to Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, he did to Ed Orgeron, who we know he's not crazy about, uh, a couple weeks ago, and now's his chance to, to get one on Jeremy Pruitt. So a big weekend for Auburn football. We appreciate everybody stopping by. For Jason Caldwell, this is Keith Niebuhr, and this was the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.